Welcome to TJ Frog's podcast, where I chat about my knitting, dorset buttons and creativity in general, as well as sharing my love of Scotland, especially the Highlands and Islands. Hello, I'm Tanya, aka TJ Frog, or sometimes called the Button Lady. And in my creative business, I predominantly make and promote the traditional craft of dorset buttons, which dates back to the early 1600s, a cottage industry that employed many people in Dorset on the south coast of England. Brought up in Dorset, I now live on the Isle of Skye, and wherever you may be in the world, welcome and thank you for joining me for my 39th episode, Learning and Developing. I hope that you have found your way through the early part of 2023 in the best possible way for you. I can't quite believe it is April already, as this episode was originally prepared with the intention of going out at the end of February. (laughs) Sometimes I feel I went to sleep and woke up and lost a couple of months. Is anyone else feeling as if 2023 is gathering momentum and running away from them? I certainly do. And sometimes it feels like I'm always talking about time on this podcast. Maybe there's a message in there for me somewhere. One of the things I do spend my time doing is learning and developing. From exploring creative skills to my own personal development. And this year is no exception. My thirst feels even greater this year. I can't fathom out why. All I know is I probably need to forget about sleeping (laughs) and then I'm going to have time to fit in all the learning and development I want to do. Let's have a look then at what I've got in store for this episode. The weather. It's all been happening here on Sky. Wind, rain, snow, the northern lights and the sun has visited. Hooray! Creativity. I've got some feedback for you from my Vogue Knitting Live trip to New York, an update on my Debbie Abrahams mystery blanket and one or two other projects and learning and developing my own crafting skills. Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog pad, workshops, shows, website and newsletter, all that techie stuff. Sky Focus. Okay, so a slight change to this section. Long-time followers will know I usually finish off firstly with a local lowdown, a small piece of news about something on Sky, and this is followed by an interview, although the latter has faltered since the pandemic. I love doing interviews with creative people and showcasing the amazing talent here on Sky and across the bridge, people who I meet on my travels. I want to continue with this, but in order to continue enjoying doing it, I've decided to take it out of this section and to release interviews as their own episodes. What this does is it takes away the time boundary for me of having to have an interview recorded and edited as well in time for the next episode that I want to release. And as my podcasts are generally quite long with interviews, sometimes it can be hard to get the right length of interview to fit with the episode. And I think separating them is going to be much neater. And I've got some great interviews lined up, so they will appear as and when, and they will be a great addition to the regular podcast format and also allow me to showcase that person and their business in full. That means the Sky Focus section will now just be about the local lowdown, that small piece of information, something Sky related, whether it be tourism, history, landscape, talking about business, state of the roads, 
a walk I've done, all sorts of things. I hope that you'll understand this slight change and that you will be interested in listening to the separate episodes of interviews. And of course, when I've done them, I will refer to them as well in these longer podcast episodes. The Sky Focus today then, the local lowdown, is about a fantastic business which is all about learning. ACE Target, ACE Target. The weather. We've had a major shift in daylight hours since I last spoke to you and going to and from work in daylight is a great feeling. In fact, even waking up in daylight is a great feeling. As I record today, sunrise was at 6.33 and sunset tonight will be at 20.20. Each day it's shifting a couple of minutes again either end of the day and it's making a big difference. We've already found ourselves slipping into the long light days and suddenly at seven o'clock at night realising that we haven't even yet thought about what we're going to have for dinner, let alone start cooking it. The weather does continue to be mixed though. Storm Otto passed over us and although we had wind speeds of 80 to 90 miles per hour, we were very fortunate to escape any damage. Thankfully, we have had some brief, dry, calm, sunny interludes and only this week we've had a couple of really fantastic days and it's been great to throw open the windows and doors and just let the fresh air really get through all of the house. Invariably though, as the sun starts to dip in the afternoon, the temperature does drop and it reminds us that whilst it might be spring, We still have a few weeks ahead of us where we might experience some wintry weather. Last episode, I talked about the snow that we'd had in January. Well, March brought more snow and this time it really took me by surprise how quickly it appeared. And once again, it built on the snow that we'd had before. It was the most I have ever seen in our little corner of sky. I'd woken in the night to see the moon glowing in, although I hadn't looked out onto the landscape. A couple of hours later, I woke to full cloud only to look properly out the window and see that we were in the middle of a full-on snowstorm. In a short space of time, a few inches had fallen, but by mid-morning, the grey-white skies shifted and by lunchtime, it was blue skies. And later in the day, you would not have believed just how much snow had disappeared from the amount that we had had. It was that wonderful thick soft snow as well that makes a really lovely squeaky noise as you walk on it rather than it being icy and slippy. Far far more exciting than the snow though was the amazing aurora that we were treated to one night late February. It's not often that we're able to see it from our house because of our location with the hills and also it's rare to see it with the naked eye. Apparently it was what's called a major storm and was some of the best northern lights that have been around this part of the UK for a number of years. I could see from the house there was some lighter sky in the distance. So we walked up the road in our community and then the sky just started to put on a performance for us. We just had these dancing green lights. It was incredible. It was an extremely cold night just standing in the road watching these lights just changing, going over the different parts of the landscape and the different houses around us. It was phenomenal. I did get some photos on my iPhone and I've put a couple of them in the show notes. However, I recalled when I was in Norway how we were told, yes, have a quick look at them through your camera. 
but be present with them. Watch, enjoy, remark at this phenomenal piece of nature that happens. And that's exactly what we did. If you're in Scotland or you're going to be in Scotland, then do check out on Facebook the Glendale Sky Auroras page or the website page aurora-alerts.uk. That's really the best place to get heads up on potential northern lights in the UK. And as I say, that major storm that happened at the end of February Other people in the UK, some of you even down as far as the south coast of England, were able to see it that night. It really was quite a spectacular event for us. And finally, the latest spider report, which seems to have become a little bit of a feature, which I'm hoping will not continue. (laughs) Again, sat in the same spot on my sofa, as I mentioned in my last episode, I got a visit from another spider, probably a family or a friend of the last one that visited me. It wasn't the same type of spider, it was smaller and lighter in colour. But can you believe the audacity of it? I was sat there with a notebook and it ran across my notebook. Quite how I managed to keep it on the notebook, go into the next room, open up the outside door and put it outside, I do not know. No doubt it's already back in the house, (laughs) although we've actually got no heating downstairs in our house and we haven't had all winter. So at the moment, I actually think there's times when it's warmer outside than it is in, which may well be why we've not seen any just recently. Hey, I don't want to tempt fate. (laughs) Creativity. It was wonderful to go to Vogue Live Knitting in New York. Although smaller and not as busy as when I last went in 2019, considering it's the first show post-Covid, it was much bigger than I was expecting. The main thing that I love about this show is the total immersion in everything about yarn. (laughs) From meeting new people, working with yarn, finding new yarn bases, learning about new designs, designers meeting designers, fashion shows, learning new skills and just being, just sitting, being present, soaking up yarn, yarn, yarn and yarn accessories. (laughs) Everything about this event feeds my love of learning and developing my knowledge and being around people who love that too. I was fortunate to do some workshops, the first of which was with Cecilia Campo-Chiaro, and that was about riffs on sequence knitting. Cecilia's currently working on another sequence knitting book, and so the workshop was focused on techniques in that. Cecilia's workshop was a full day, and there was a great mix of explaining some of her techniques, exploring texture, how to alternate stitch sequences, And then it was interspersed with opportunities for us to have a go at them and make up our own little samples, as well as Cecilia bringing along her own work and showing us samples and talking about her own design process. It was a fascinating workshop for me and her book is on my list for when it comes out. It's something I'd really like to explore more. Ah, With all the learning I want to do, I'm still not sure I've got time to sleep. Make the Most Out of Short Rows by Vera Valamaki was a half-day workshop. 
There was a lot to take in on this introduction workshop where we looked at all the different types of short rows, some of which I'd done before. I love short row shaping and all the possibilities that it offers. So I'm hoping that this is going to really hold me in good stead for future projects. The most short row shaping I've ever done are in Stephen West's shawls and his videos are always excellent in showing what to do, how to do techniques. So I found it a very methodical technique that as long as you're counting, then it works. The workshop also touched on shoulder, neck and bust adjustment. So hopefully I've got some basics there to help me adjust patterns to fit my body shape. Although this could easily have been a full day workshop to delve a lot more into how to use the short rows, especially in garments. I've spent some time exploring Vera's patterns online and no doubt we'll be adding one or two of these to my to-do list at some point in the future. I think the main learning point I took away from this class is that in the finished item, there's really little difference between the different techniques and it predominantly comes down to personal choices to which ones you use or what you're using them for. And if you do really don't want any visibility of the short row or you actually want to add it as a design feature. Finally, the last class I took is the Two Coloured Fisherman's Rib by Mina Phillip. This is an interesting stitch to revisit as I last did this in a workshop 12 years ago. So I was a bit rusty on it. This is where you're knitting or purling into the stitches on the row below. And we did a very small sample working flat and in the round. Ultimately, it creates a really squishy fabric that looks very much like brioche. So if brioche is not your thing, <laughs> this is a good substitute to get that similar rib finish with that real give in it, that stretch and that bounce. A bit like Fair Isle though, it is easier to knit in the round as you don't have to do the wrong side row. <laughs> in the flat, it's a four row repeat to get the pattern and in the round, a two row repeat. As part of the workshop, we were given two patterns, a shawl knitted flat and a cowl knitted in the round. And yes, you have guessed it, I've decided to go for the harder option, knitting the shawl. <laughs> and I decided if possible, it would be lovely to purchase some yarn in the marketplace to do this. So it made a complete New York Vogue pattern workshop story for me. Talking of purchases then, I made one or two, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> Although they were all very carefully considered. I walked around the marketplace on the first evening doing a recce to get an overview as well as seeking out one or two things that had caught my eye in advance of the show online. My purchase for the Fisherman's Rib pattern was Crave Yarn by Yarn Culture, which is run by Patty and her husband Mitch in New York. They had a corner stand and their colour palette and their display caught my eye a few times as I wandered around the marketplace. I chose Crave Double Knits, which is a mix of merino, cashmere, camel and silk. And it is gorgeous, both in feel and the colours that I chose. Um, I could quite easily have chosen all the colours. They're all really beautiful. I opted for three shades of blue because this is a colour that I love to wear but I very rarely knit with. For some reason my yarns that I've bought over the years at shows have very much gone down the autumnal route. The oranges, the rusts, the greens, the golds 
And so, yeah, I've made a real conscious effort to try and get some more blues and greys into my purchases for making some future projects for myself. I made two other yarn purchases. Nora Howley of Nora Howley Designs and KnittingTales.com, who I initially met through Edinburgh Yarn Festival and then on subsequent trips to the States and other business activities, had sent me a heads up about a yarn that she thought I might like. And Nora was even kind enough to tell me which stand I could find it on. Thank you, Nora. What a great enabler you are. I found the yarn on the first walk around the marketplace and I loved it. And on the last day, I went back and made my purchase. There were so many lovely colours that appealed to me. I really had to think about this purchase. I was keen not to just buy one or two skeins to add to my stash with no project or plan in mind. I wanted very much to have a project in mind for this yarn. I just felt I owed it to, to the yarn to do something with it. I'm sure you will have found yourself at shows like me where there tends to be a particular pattern that's the current popular one that you keep seeing people wearing. And at Vogue, the one that stood out to me was Pressed Flowers by Amy Christophers, which I saw people wearing as both a cardigan and a shawl. The yarn then that Nora had highlighted to me was Plied, which is 100% non-superwash, two-ply woolen spun. And it was on the woolen stand who are Brooklyn-based, as I say, I took the whole three days to make the purchase, contemplating on colours and which project I was going to do because they actually had the shawl, the hat, the cowl and the cardigan pattern all knitted up in this yarn on their stand. Surprisingly, I opted for the cardigan, which I think is something I don't have a lot of in my wardrobe, but certainly feel I would like more of and I seem to have made a slight shift in seeking out more top patterns this year than shawl patterns. If you haven't yet seen Pressed Flowers, it's a mosaic knitting pattern, which has got a base colour. And then it mainly uses a variety of colours for the different flower motifs. I was actually drawn to doing a two colour one, so not having the multiple colours for the flower motifs. Woolen, though, did have bobbins of various plied colours, which you could buy to do the multiple coloured version. And I was very, very tempted by this. However, the two colour option won. I really could have spent a lot of money on this stand. As it was, I bought six skeins to do the cardigan. The colours I chose are web for the base, which is described as a black and grey. And then the colours for the flowers will be in the gateway which is described as natural and grey. I personally think, particularly in daylight, the grey in the two colour is a real bluey green grey. So it's going to be interesting to see how it does work when it's fully knitted up. Since getting back from Vogue, I've looked up the yarn and found it's a collaboration between Carida Collins of Neighbourhood Fibre Company and knitwear designer and teacher Anne Weaver. The yarn is spun in New Hampshire and hand-dyed in Baltimore and I've put a link to their website in the show notes. Being honest, I'm not sure when I'm going to get started on this as I've got quite a queue that's forming <laughs> and it's still forming. <laughs> no doubt by the time I get to knit it, there's going to be a new show jumper on the streets that will take its place in my knitting to-do queue. We're back to that whole sleep again. When am I going to get some sleep? 
Finally, I bought three skeins from Nuts and Knits, which is owned by Farah, who is based in Utah. This was one of the first stands I visited on the mezzanine floor, and I was immediately taken by their business, which focuses on the heritage breeds found in the United States. And I wanted to purchase some, both to support them, as I could relate to their ethos, and also to try out wool that I've never used before. I got a skein of Navajo Churro, hope I've said that correctly, which is a sport weight in its natural colour. I got a skein of Polypay, which is a DK, and a Targi in its natural cream, all sourced in Utah. This is the only purchase I made with no project in mind, although I do plan to make something that's going to incorporate all three skeins. I also purchased a tea towel from Farah with illustrations of some of the American heritage breeds. As I say, this business really spoke to me and fitted my own personal brief when I go to a show like Vogue. I, I want to be buying things that I haven't seen before, that I have not can't easily get in the UK and also looking at the whole setup of the business and what they're aiming to do. And this business was a real find. A couple of other non-yarn purchases were from Indigo Lane Jewellery. It was Lorraine's first time exhibiting at Vogue and she had some beautiful knitting crochet related pieces in silver, including this beautiful silver crochet hook, which you could put on a chain so you'd never be caught without one, as well as some lovely silver brooches. I purchased some earrings, one which had the word wool imprinted on it and the other with uh, a sheep imprinted on it. And I bought something else that remains a secret as it's a present for somebody later in the year. Helping out on the stand was Regina, who I'd like to give a shout out to, a TJ Frog follower who had previously visited me at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, and we had a lovely chat. My other non-yarn purchase was a needle wrap from Crippen Works, who use vintage buttons and fabric remnants and are based in New York. And I've got an Etsy shop, there's a link in the show notes. And lastly, I won a skein of Malabrigo lace yarn in the yarn drop, which I was very pleased about. This is held on the last day of the event and basically one of the sponsors comes with a pile of yarn and everybody gathers around the main stage and they throw yarn out to everybody. And if you're one of the fortunate lucky ones, then you get to walk away with a lovely skein of yarn. I learnt a lot on this trip and I've still yet to consolidate all the information, let alone get knitting with my purchases. I had lots of Dorset button conversations along the way too, which was fantastic. I found myself sat next to Linda of Sheepscot Harbour Yarns from Maine at one of the fashion shows and found out that she makes Dorset buttons herself, which was lovely. It was a whirlwind trip, Thursday to Sunday. Totally worth it. And I'd love to give a shout out to Andrea, Felicity and Kate, who were also on the trip with me. It was great to meet up in the evening and hear all about their workshops and see their purchases and what they'd been up to during the day. I came back buzzing from this trip. So much information to digest and to work through. Sleep? <laughs> Time? <laughs> oh, those constant things that keep popping up in my podcast. As you've heard, that trip added to my ever-growing knitting to-do pile. What have I actually knitted then since I last spoke to you? 
I managed to complete 35 of the 49 squares of the Debbie Abrahams mystery blanket from 2017 before the patterns for the 2023 one landed in my inbox. My aim was to get them all done, even though I knew this was an unlikely target, that, that was the aim. And I'm pleased with what I actually achieved considering I didn't have an awful lot of knitting time. And I've taken the decision to carry on knitting the outstanding 14 squares before I start on this year's project. Although this year's project is very tempting. I've moved the yarn pack out of sight. <laughs> the colours are just beautiful. Debbie's had her own yarn spun at Laxton's and they're all these really rich autumnal colours, which are all colours that I absolutely love. I've guessed the theme correctly already and I can't wait to see how the design unfolds. So far, some of the squares for the blanket have names such as chestnut, toadstool, pixies and nixies, thicket, elves and imps, bracken, all these wonderful names. Maybe you might be able to guess the theme. Debbie puts a blog post out every month where she gives you a couple of more letters uh, of what the theme is. Debbie also does lots of great little videos for the various techniques and it is hard not starting this because I'm now starting to see on social media people knitting up their squares and seeing just how beautiful they are. Realistically though, it's the right thing for me to do not to start it at the moment. However, you've heard it here first. Unlike the 2017 one, I would not be leaving it for a number of years before I start it. It will definitely get started in 2023. I mean, I've got to do this because I've decided to go full out this year. I've also signed up to Debbie's Mystery Cushion project and that starts in June. So I really need to be starting the blanket before the cushion arrives. <laughs> I was tempted because the colour palette that Debbie's using this year, she describes as sweet summery colours that are vibrant and cheerful and it uses Rowan Summerlight DK cotton. Personally, I love knitting with cotton. I know it's not everybody's choice. I did the mystery cushion in 2014 and that was in Rowan Cotton Glacé, which I really loved knitting with. And the colours for that included things like orange and green and lemon and purple pink turquoise and it was called sugar rush based on sweets very summery palette so I'm hoping that this year's cushion will complement it the thing I love about Debbie Abraham's work is I'm always learning something new the projects are fantastic for learning new stitch patterns seeing how designs can come together how multiple colors can be used in a project and as a compulsive learner always seeking out new things to learn. These projects really sing to me. I recently met up with Debbie on a workshop she was running alongside Jane Crowfoot under their Inspired Minds website. Debbie and Jane had taken inspiration from the work they did together in their Kaleidoscope book, which was published back in 2013. The patterns in this book use a lot of bright coloured yarns and this time for the workshop they opted for a more muted palette of a stylecraft cotton which was in sort of coffee, rose, natural colours, much more muted. Debbie designed a beaded knitted project bag and Jane a beaded crochet project bag. I decided to challenge myself to do the crochet and a challenge it was. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but I really struggle to hold crochet stitches, how to actually do them in my head. And I get really confused if there's a row of 
say half trebles and then you do a row of double crochet and then you're back to a row of half trebles I'm like what's a half treble again how do you do a half treble and it really frustrates me I, I don't know what it is maybe it is because I'm just not doing it enough I'm not building up that muscle memory so I perhaps need to really spend more time building up that muscle memory having Jane on hand to help and answer all those niggly questions that I had was great and I managed to get most of the project crocheted before I left I only had a tiny bit to finish off when I got home and I did the more difficult bit in the workshop and the bit that was not quite so difficult at home so that is finished apart from the sewing up (laughs) fortunately it doesn't really need too much blocking it's such a small piece Jane suggested just putting the steam iron on it with a, a cloth And since I've been home, I've also knitted up Debbie's project. And there's just the sewing up to do with that one too. (laughs) At least this way, I've actually ended up with two bags because we had enough yarn and beads to be able to do two bags. Whereas if I had done the knitting project at the workshop, I wouldn't have come home and done the crochet. I think the techniques would have just beaten me and I wouldn't have given myself the time to learn how to do them. So being in that workshop learning experience with other people around to help you, including the tutor, is massive to me. I really do find that a very engaging process. One of the other projects I've been working on is my Love Note sweater, which has been on a bit of a journey in more ways than one. It is my second Love Note and it was one of the projects that went away with me before Christmas and ended up stuck in my suitcase for 11 days or so before it got back home to me. (laughs) I started making it with a gorgeous hand-dyed yarn from Claire at Cookston Crafts in this range of dark blues, greys and a sort of taupe colour. And I used from my stash a dark grey Rowan Kid Silk Haze Eclipse. This is a mohair that's now discontinued and it's got a silver metallic thread that runs through it. I bought it many, many moons ago in my early days of knitting and I had plans to knit myself this evening cardigan, which never happened and it's not going to happen now. Unfortunately, I quickly found the silver thread separated from the mohair thread and it just became a continual knotty mess. You know, you're carrying the mohair with your foreply But it was almost like I had three strands of yarn going on, which was not an easy thing to do. I regularly had to break the yarn, get rid of where it had bunched up, reattach the yarn. In the end, I just thought, yes, I like the silver streak. I like the dark grey effect that's coming through with joining the two yarns together. But I'm not enjoying this knit. And even though I'd got to below the lace pattern, I decided I just couldn't face doing all that stocking stitch with this detached silver thread from the mohair that just wasn't marrying up together and potentially going to cause me a lot more issues. So I frogged the lot and I ended up having to bin the mohair. It just wasn't fit for any use. Fortunately, the four ply lives on and I've paired it up with some pale blue Rowan Kid Silk Haze from my stash just the original kid silk haze and I'm enjoying this far more and I've made great progress with it. It's made me realise how much the other yarn was slowing me up. I'm interested to know about your experiences of knitting with a yarn that has this metallic thread through it. I've made dorset buttons with this type of yarn before but I've never knitted with it so I'm not sure if the problem I encountered is a regular problem 
or whether it was just because of the mohair and that they weren't twisted together particularly well. So what was happening is as it was being knitted off the skein, they were different lengths and they were bunching up against each other. It was a shame because I did like the effect, but I'm also pleased with what's turning out to be a paler grey blue version of my original love note. Lastly for this section then, I've been exploring making with buttons in a different way these past few weeks, which resulted in me teaching a workshop at the mental health textile charity I work at one day a week. These are not dorset buttons, these are the metal, plastic, ceramic, all those other buttons that we have on our garments and have been handed down to us through generations. We have a wonderful resource of buttons that we've had donated to us over the years at our charity and it was a lot of fun playing with them and yarn, threading them onto the yarn in different ways to make necklaces, bracelets, pull cords. And as much as I love learning and developing myself, my key passion really is being the facilitator of other people's learning and creativity, giving them the basic idea and seeing where it takes them. And it was fascinating to put out this array of multi-coloured sizes and makes of buttons and yet see the different things that people produced from them. And I've put a couple of pictures in the show notes. I'm not sure what my next challenge is going to be in my creativity path, but no doubt I'll have something new for you next month. Dorset buttons and wider news from the TJ Frog pad. I don't feel I've got too much to catch up on here as most of what is happening is behind the scenes stuff. Techie stuff. (laughs) Website, software, that type of stuff. (laughs) Thank you to those of you who've been in touch about my newsletter or should I say my lack of newsletter. There hasn't been one for a while as I've had problems with the newsletter software which remains unresolved, so I'm moving over to a new system which I'm in the middle of learning about at the moment. This, I have to say, is a type of learning that doesn't rock my boat. (laughs) That's not really something that I'm particularly interested in and hence don't feel I'm good at, although I'm sure that's just a self-fulfilling prophecy that I've told myself I'm not good at and therefore, you know, it doesn't happen that I'm good at. Please say what I would say is if you do sign up to my newsletter in the next month, do check your spam because with it being a new provider, it may well creep into your spam box. Also, if you'd love to sign up for my newsletter, then do hop over to the website where you will see the subscriber notification and uh, join me on this next new path of newsletters. Having a website is a constant evolving process and a very, very steep learning curve. I'm not sure how much I'm developing in this area. (laughs) I, I learn what I need to learn for the next stage. Give me knitting needles and pen and paper any day. Fortunately, I do have some tech savvy TJ Frog staff, aka Hubby, who's there in the wings helping me out. You will see changes over time, but hopefully they're not going to impact on your ability to peruse my offerings and make some purchases. Do any of you use Pinterest? I have dabbled in Pinterest on a personal level on and off for some time, although very rarely. 
I realised though that having a TJ Frog business Pinterest account would be a good idea. Again, something else I'm working through, which is a little time consuming. So overall, a lot of learning taking place in the background on the TJ Frog stuff that you'll find online, but very little to actually show for it at the moment. Dorset Button Workshops. My passion is delivering workshops, sharing skills with people, helping others to learn and develop themselves. And I finally got some Dorset Button Workshops listed on the website. Currently, there's the Dorset Button Tree brooch, which uses traditional Dorset Button techniques, beads and French knots. It's being run twice, first on Saturday the 29th of April from 7 to 10 p.m. British Summer Time and is repeated on Wednesday the 10th of May, 6 to 9 p.m. British Summer Time and hopefully that helps some of you with being in different time zones. There are materials that need to be sent out ahead of the workshop, so do factor that in if you want to join me on one of these. Teaching on Zoom has opened up sharing skills across the world, and I think having a close-up of someone's hands, making something on your screen in front of you as you sit in the comfort of your own home, is a very different experience to being in a workshop with other people. Both have got their pros and cons, but I do feel that Zoom brings a very different kind of personal experience. I will be putting on more virtual workshops throughout the year and if you're a group of friends or a yarn shop and you'd like to know more about doing a virtual Dorset Button workshop bespoke to you, please do get in touch. I had a great time exhibiting at the Yorkshire Yarn Festival at the beginning of March. Sophie organised a fantastic event at a great venue, the Sandburn Hall Hotel, which was in Faxton, just outside York. And it was lovely to meet so many new people, as well as familiar faces and returning customers and friends. And welcome if you've joined me on the podcast since meeting me at the Yorkshire Yarn Fest. It's good doing a show quite early on in the year. It feels like it's part of that emerging from the winter hibernation. I was surprised though at the number of people visiting my stand who'd not heard of Dorset Buttons. So I loved being able to chat all about them and continuing to spread the word of this heritage craft. I went to the craft evening on Saturday night, which had Jane Crowfoot as the guest speaker. Jane chatted all about her design background and design process and talked about many of her blanket crochet projects. And Jane was hugely taken by surprise recently when Justin Bieber had her Persian tiles crochet blanket over his shoulders at the Vanity Fair Oscars after party. Not sure whether or not he crochets himself or whether someone does that for him, but amazing for Jane, promoting her work and of course elevating crochet. While I've known Jane for many years, it was lovely to hear her chats and to learn more about some of her individual pieces. If you are a crochet fan and you don't yet know Jane's work, please do look her up. There's a link in the show notes. Jane has also recently collaborated with the amazing artist designer Emma Ball, who's produced an array of goodies from some crochet photos of Jane's designs. Lots of tempting yarn and crochet accessories for you there. I was on the stand on my own all weekend, so I didn't get a chance to look around the show, which was spread out over different rooms. I literally had a few minutes on the second day before the show started. I got a couple of things from Grace at Beyond Measure. I'm going to leave talking about that, though, for a future time because they are related to my sewing machine. 
<laughs> and that's something that's been gathering a little bit of dust since I did my sewing course. So I need to get back onto that at some point. I did make a yarn purchase. I was next to Erin of Henny Penny Makes. And for the first time, I bought a fade pack. Erin had these amazing fade packs with all these really rich colours. I don't have a particular project in mind other than I'd like to do a tea top and I'm sure I'm going to find something when I search through. The colours I've got are a array of blues really from a very dark blue to sort of turquoise with lots of other multiple rich colours interwoven into those five skeins. My second show of the year is just around the corner and that is Wonderwall Wales. Another new show to me which I'm very excited to be part of if you're coming along, you'll find me at Sand H2 in Hall 1. I went as a visitor last year and had a great time. There is so much to see and do at this show. My TJ Frog staff, Hubby, will be on the stand with me for some of the time and I'm hoping that I can convince him to wear his Welsh plied kilt. I'm going to be bringing along some new style project bags in my TJ Frog Dorset Button fabric and there's some new Dorset Button kit designs which will sit alongside my Dorset Breed wool. I think there's about 250 exhibitors at this show, so probably the largest show I've been involved in and we're getting very near to packing up all of the stock ready to make our way down to Blueith Wells for the show. That's it then for the TJ Frog Dorset button section. The website will stay as is until Wonderwall Wales and then afterwards you should start to see a transition over to a new website. Sky Focus, the local lowdown. I said this episode was about learning and development, so I felt it was only appropriate to tell you about something that fitted into that theme. So I thought I'd tell you about ACE Target or ACE Target, because this might be something that will appeal to some of you who might be visiting Sky in the future. In fact, you may well already have visited ACE Target if you've been to Sky. Matt Harrison is the owner of the company, and it stands for Adventure Conservation Education. And he's just celebrated 10 years of business and has reopened for spring 2023 after being closed for six months to totally renovate his space, largely using recycled materials. He's based in Portree and alongside being involved with lots of local community projects, his skill set is Target Sports and Adventure Fund for all ages. It includes archery, air gun range, clay target shooting and axe throwing with an indoor axe throwing venue at Broadford as well. While I haven't actually done any of the courses that Matt runs, I know he always receives amazing feedback and has a mobile unit that he can also take out to private venues and events. Certainly one to look up if you're looking for a little different experience when you're here on Sky. Another episode then draws to a close. I hope to meet up with some of you in Wales. If not, you'll be able to catch up with me when I get back for a roundup as to how it all went. In the meantime, I hope you have lots of yarn projects on the go and I'd love to hear about what you're learning. You can get in touch either by dropping me a line at tanya at tjfrog.co.uk or via the contact page on the website or on Facebook and Instagram as tjfrogsky. 
The music is by Ron Paynton and licensed from Melody Loops and called One Frog for a Prince. Bye for now. Until next time.